0: ever get the uneasy feeling that you've been fed a lie? Not just any lie, but one that you have believed your entire life and which has guided many of your decisions. Most of the time, we shake off this feeling and go about our lives. But what if that feeling was the key to unlocking everything? I'm Joe Kwan, The Connection Counselor, and on each episode of The Big Lie, we'll reveal a new lie that, once uncovered, has the power to transform your relationships, career, and life. Let's do this. Do you enjoy having great ideas but not being heard? Or worse, having someone repeat them and get all the credit? Are you happy to continue delivering great work, only to be passed over and watch as others from outside the company or your peers get the job? Would you benefit from being part of a community whose focus is on developing the interpersonal skills needed to elevate your career? Hi, I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and I just launched such a community on Slack called Unlock You. If you believe unlocking interpersonal skills is a crucial part of elevating your career, I would love for you to join us. Enrollment is currently open and free. You can go to www.connectioncounselor.com and click on the link to join us. See you soon. Welcome everyone to The Big Lie. We have a very special guest here today. We have Chef Rafael Kotorski. Uh, He's a chef that's worked in Michelin star restaurants for six years, uh, both coasts, cooking in New York and San Francisco at great restaurants, including Marea, Gramercy Tavern, Rich Table, and Kintz. I hope I pronounced that correctly. His menus can be described as market-driven and globally influenced. And my wife and I and my son have had the pleasure of uh, Chef Kutorski's cooking personally when uh, his service delivered a very special meal to us for my wife's birthday when we couldn't go out because of COVID. So we really enjoyed that meal. And so I've had a, the personal pleasure of tasting his cooking. How are you doing today, Chef Rath?
1: I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, o- over here in my apartment in uh, uh, Financial District Manhattan. So yeah, so beautiful day outside. Nice uh, November day.
0: Tell us a little bit about how you got into food, into cooking. You know, what, what inspired you to become a chef? Uh, just a little bit of background to, so people can get to know you in the audience.
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, when I was about 20 years old, maybe, maybe like six years ago, I went to the International Culinary Center on uh, Broadway in, uh, in the Soho area of uh, Manhattan. And that was kind of the starting point, yeah. So I went to school. I was, I was working full-time as a cook at a place called Osteria Marini. And um, yeah, I mean, I just immediately, my first day in the kitchen, I absolutely fell in love with food and it became the focal point of my life. And until now, I mean, there's really, I guess, except for family, there's been nothing that's more important to me. And I absolutely dedicated all of my energy and all of my passion and love into food. So, you know, we're here now and it's been like six years, six years of cooking in very strenuous uh i just say high pressure restaurant environments you know Michelin star kitchens
0: you know like they have all those cooking shows right with like the high pressure like chefs is it sure. kind of like that is is that similar to what you experience
1: i would say uh that definitely does not in any way depict what 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 working in a restaurant actually is i mean you know it's uh you come in early, you leave late, there really at sometimes are no breaks, don't have time to eat, and you just work the hardest that you have ever worked for, we'll say, you know, 12, 14 hours, sometimes more, and holidays are, <laughs> holidays really don't exist, you know, you go to the restaurant, and yeah, I mean, the cooking shows are great, it's really, really fun to watch them, and, you know, they have to kind of make a story and, you know, all that nonsense, but, yeah, cooking in restaurants is is a is a lifestyle more or less. So, cooking shows are thirty minutes. You know, you make this, you make that, whatever. But primarily, we are doing things behind the scenes. You know, we're prepping, making stocks, butchering fish and meat, cleaning vegetables, and then showtime and service, which is, I guess, not entirely the majority of our day. So. What we do is we make sure that service is seamless and it's easy. But yeah, I mean, cooking in restaurants is more or less behind the scenes. There's nothing glamorous about it. You know, you, you get your ass kicked for a bunch of years until you're not the worst cook in the kitchen. And I guess at some point you become one of the better cooks. And it's just like anything else, just uh, working as hard as you can. and it's great that I'm able to do what I love. So, you know, it's yeah. been, it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride for sure.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that, uh, behind the scenes inside. I suppose that makes sense to me because, uh, you know, people of my generation, uh, they might've grown up watching shows like LA law and think, you know, yeah, you know, I want right. to become a lawyer. It's nothing like LA law. <laughs>
1: it's not, Yeah. It's, it's nothing like we'll say, we'll say, uh, top chef. We'll say yeah. top chef. it yeah, is yeah. absolutely nothing like that. It is. <laughs> you're you're cutting you know 50 onions and you're you know it it is really like you're peeling potatoes you're doing all these things that if you were not a cook you would absolutely hate your life and it would be atrocious but you know there is a common goal between all of us and you know we work towards making the best food that's possible so
0: all right Great. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, let's proceed to our launching point. Um, I'm going to read a, a quote uh, by another chef. I picked this one because um, I have interviewed you in the past, and it kind of really resonated with some stuff that we talked about before, so I thought it might be useful as our launching point. So this is an interview with Chef Bryant um, Terry. He is a James Beard award-winning cook, um, and this is an interview with him. Anna Lape, who's the interviewer, asks him, what's the joy of eating seasonally? And his answer is, the joy of eating seasonally is the joy of fresh produce and fresh foods. It's that much more exciting when your favorite foods come back into season. I also have found that as I've learned to eat more in season, I've lost cravings for certain foods when it's not the right season for them. Part of that is because I know how disappointed I will be by how they taste. Of course, it's a lot easier to eat seasonally in certain parts of the country than others. But no matter where you live, I think there are ways to bring more seasonal food into your diet. So Chef Raff, what is the big lie you'd like to share with our audience with respect to food and eating?
1: Sure. So, a I mean, first of all, that quote absolutely could not have been more perfect to fully depict what seasonality is and how to implement it, I guess, into our daily lives. So the big lie we'll say, in a sense, is the fact that seasonality doesn't really exist in New York because there are, you know, there's a hot summer, there's a nice spring, nice fall, but then the winter is just super cold and there's not a lot of vegetables that we're able to access. But there are farms all year round, right? So you know we have things right now like are in season uh the roots of certain vegetables you know, like celery root um carrots and you know things of that nature and it's it is for sure at this time very difficult to eat seasonally but we do have the union square farmers market you know we also have markets that are popping up everywhere brooklyn bronx queens and it i mean it is possible currently to cook with seasonal ingredients it is for sure in new york kind of like a push for the chefs to be able to use things that are in season you know because new york is the type of place where you know we get certain things at certain times and like we all just at once are pushing to put that item on our menu you know like for example ramps are you know it's an ingredient not very common outside of kitchens not very common even outside of kitchens that are, you know, that have the money to be able to purchase these ingredients. And, you know, ramps are in season for six weeks, usually in June, maybe, you know, maybe going into June. And it's a perfect example of things that people really are not even, they don't even know what they are. You know, ramps are, they're a type of onion. They're an allium that grows actually wild. When I was living in White Plains for couple of weeks when I moved from San Francisco they actually you know five minutes from my house I could go to a park and just pick them I mean it was an incredibly eye-opening moment for me you know I had them littered on my menu as long as I could you know I pickled them I fermented them I dried the, the leaves you know it was it was just it was a it was a fantastic thing and I was able to do it by myself for the first time so you know, using things that are in season in New York, sure, I mean, for sure, it's a little bit more difficult. The West Coast has access to incredible produce year-round, you know, the the weather is is perfect for growing things. But yeah, I mean, in New York, we we have all of, you know, we have most of the things that the West Coast has, you know, they have citrus that we're not able to get, they have, you know, for example, they have, you know, they can grow passion fruit, they can grow guava, you know, I mean, there's, just certain things that we're not able to do here. You know, like kefir limes, Meyer lemons are pretty rare, but yeah, there's just the, I mean, surplus is probably the right word. There's just so many things that come in and out and chefs are just always trying to get the best possible tomato, cucumber, corn. Um, I mean, now like squash is certainly peak season, you know, even, even truffles like right now we're, we're getting, we're just getting flooded with the truffles, you know, and the food costs, most restaurants can't really handle it right now. You know, COVID has been a, it's, you know, it's just been like a cancer on most restaurants. It's just, you know, people cannot spend the money they used to spend. Restaurants are not full. So buying truffles is kind of like not possible right now.
0: So, uh, you know, one thing that's interesting to me about what you're saying um, and that I love about the whole concept of seasonality, you know, I love food, but I wouldn't consider myself like a foodie, right? Like, like I'm not the guy who knows where all the latest restaurants are. What I love about the concept of seasonality is it exposes you to more foods, right? Like you don't always just order like the same potato or like the same mushroom. There's so much more out there. And one example you reminded me of when you were talking about the West Coast true story. I'm talking to someone who also does a lot of coaching and she's out on the West coast. She's in, in California, probably in, you know, orange County. And she's talking me, to me about going to the farmer's market and picking different types of strawberries. I yeah. didn't know that there was more than one type of strawberry. I thought it was just so many,
1: strawberry. so, so many varieties of strawberries. <laughs> Some, something that I majorly, majorly miss about the West coast. I mean, uh, the, coincidentally well, actually you said you know uh Los Angeles greater area i yeah. i was there um was in uh the end of august i was mm-hmm. i was actually i was actually visiting a buddy of mine yeah i mean that was actually strawberry season kind of like the end of strawberry season it's it's peak in summer and yeah i mean the strawberries are so different in the west coast because they they ripen in the sun that's mm-hmm. like a major role of how strawberries become sweet and how the flavor builds, you know, gradually in, in that fruit. So yeah, that is something I miss for sure. You know, they have, you know, they have these little, these, I, I can't really remember the names, but they have these little tiny strawberries packed of flavor, you know, like, especially in, I would say like the Napa area Mm -hmm. because the, because the dirt is incredible. I guess the ground is incredibly fertile, you know, they're growing grapes and things of that nature. And there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of cross-pollination because of the just large amount of fruits that grow in that area. So a really good example, actually, I mean, I can refer to one of my favorite chefs name is David Kinch. He, he opened a restaurant called Menreso. So it's, you know, maybe like 40 minutes outside of San Francisco. He has done, so he, he actually partnered with a farm when he opened the restaurant. They, they now actually have three Michelin stars. It's, and uh, I went there probably a year ago. And there's there's a video he does with his old chef, of the cuisine, Jeremy Fox, who again, coincidentally, he has a number of restaurants in uh, Los Angeles, and he's doing very well. So they have actually a video. Um, it's on the show Chef's Table, and they discuss the i mean i i guess like the beauty of strawberries and how whenever they're mm. in season everyone is just rushing to get strawberries and using them on their menus and yeah i mean they they actually specifically go into the fact that strawberries taste better when the sun ripens them naturally so ah. you can actually you can taste it on the west coast i mean we on the east coast they're mostly getting our strawberries from this place called harry's berries which is you know they're good they're fine but when you pick a strawberry and use it the same day i mean it's it's unparalleled to wow it's unparalleled to anything you've ever had it's like when when i was in napa for example we stopped on the side of the road and we picked up a little you know a couple of boxes of strawberries and just ate them immediately all of them in, in the car on the way back to the hotel so it's just something that is incredibly special, something that you don't really need to tamper with too much. You know, you keep the, the flavor. And then before the season, you got green strawberries. You got something that's, you know, you cook with it when it's under ripe and it has this like special acidity and crunch. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can pickle them. You can make, there, there's this thing called umeboshi where you basically just salt them and treat them almost like sauerkraut. And a couple wow. months later, you have this amazing thing that's that's just how did you know how did you make it out of green strawberries it's it's just incredible so yeah just kind of bank off actually your you know your story so that was kind of my my entry into produce on the west coast
0: so let me ask you a question i know from several of our conversations how passionate you are about seasonality and and about sort of raising awareness of, of the great seasonality we have uh, on the East Coast as well. How do you incorporate that into, um, for lack of a better word, your work, right? Like your cooking and, sure. and how you create dishes and, and experiences for people?
1: So the, the kind of intuition of why I'm you know, so passionate about fruits and vegetables is I was at the market with a chef of mine like three years ago. Mm -hmm. and I mean, it was kind of in the, you know, it was fall carrots were coming into season and there was these beautiful carrot tops that are, I mean, you can treat them like herbs. They have carrot flavor. They're vibrant. They, you know, you can do so many things with them. And that was something that really bothered me that we, we got cases of these delicious sweet heirloom carrots that are, so special and so beautiful and there's so many colors so many varieties of them and we would just throw away the greens and that was kind of initially how i was looking at vegetables in a different way and i was like how are we going to use every part of the vegetable you know like when you're butchering an animal right like you use every part of it you know if you're using a chicken you use the chicken skin you use the bones to make a stock you use the feet to make a stock right but if you're using a carrot or you're doing something like broccoli or cauliflower, like why are you getting rid of the most flavorful part, for example, mm-hmm. of the broccoli or the cauliflower? Like you have most of, or you have the majority of the nutrients and the flavor in the stem and people are just throwing it away. And there's so much food cost and waste that comes from these beautiful vegetables that are, you know, at that point in season. I mean, right now in the winter, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to gauge really what you can use on your menu, but there are still so many things that you can, like squash is probably the best the best uh, example of what we have right now. You know, there's, there's, there's delicata squash, kabocha squash. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many varieties and you use them in so many different ways. And people, you know, sometimes they're like getting rid of the skin or getting rid of the seeds. Like, for example, I'm sure you've had pumpkin seeds, right? You've had roasted pumpkin seeds. They come in a little bag. But you can use the seeds out of out of gorges. Like, you can use any type of squash seeds, roast them. You know, you can spice them, candy them, use them in a puree. I mean, there's just every, – every day I'm kind of like realizing or attempting to find – more and more uses for for these vegetables and there it's it's certainly just like a learning process every time I go to the market and basically the way that I, the way that I formulate my menus is I just go to the market or early in the morning is, is is definitely the best time and you just see all of these things and kind of the way that I that I create my menu is I will like write a list leave the market maybe go have a coffee and just see what I can do see what these things can become and another thing right now is we is, is we have winter greens so for example an incredibly an, an incredible variety of of uh of uh radiccios. you know we have like castle franco treviso there's also like some lettuce varieties that kind of have stemmed off of radicchio and you know these are all things like especially in the and star circuit like they'll you know, like restaurants, like, like per se, or 11 Madison Park, they're, you know, they're like cutting just like a little piece to garnish with. And I'm, I'm, I'm certain that they're getting rid of a large, you know, a large chunk of that winter lettuce that farmers have dedicated their life to make as delicious as possible. So, you know, those, those things are, it's really, it's really very, very upsetting that, there are, first of all, these things are in season. people are not using them. And secondly, the waste that is accrued from, you know, putting these things on a menu in a Michelin star restaurant. And it's just like, why are you not using the entire vegetable? And, you know, I'm sure that people at home do the same thing. You know, they're like cutting an onion. They get what they need out of it. And they get rid of it. You know, but there's can do you know caramelize the rest of it or put it in a stock or pickle it or you know there's just you know there's in there's an unlimited amount of things that you can do with the waste that you're creating so you know that's that's really the the, the big lie here i guess is that number one people are not aware of what is in season and what is delicious right now and you know you're going to whole foods trader joe's which you know whatever it's fine the cost of things there are astronomically lower than the cost at the market but i mean you're getting these these like mass produced kind of like bullshit things that are not real you know they're not there's nobody's putting love into these things they're trying to you know, grow as many as they possibly can at any given time. And there's, you know, there's no, there's no like natural sweetness and things, you know, there's no, <clears throat> for example, like winter greens, they have this really bitter, delicious flavor that can, you know, it can be manipulated in so many different ways. You know, you can char radicchio, you know, you use it in that sense. You can I mean so, something I've been getting into is like fermenting greens so mm-hmm. you know, I've just been I've just been you know because I'm opening a sandwich shop so I need to do as much research and development as I can right now so you know like fermenting them treating them like sauerkraut or, you know something in that sense or like charring them and just putting you know putting them in vinegars leaving them in the fridge for a couple of weeks and just seeing what happens so yeah I mean that that really is is a good example of how you know people should if it's possible they become more aware of what you know the accessibility of things we have right now i mean i'm sure in the summer people are more inclined to go to the market you know it's a little colder out right now so it's pretty difficult you know to schlep all the way out there and you know be able to acquire these things but it's it's very special and it's it's something that yeah some something that is unique to our area and you know there's a lot of places in upstate new york and jersey and long island that are growing these things and the more that we buy, the more that they grow. So, yeah, you know, that absolutely. is right. So,
0: so one thing I love about what you're saying, Chef Raff, um, and it kind of goes along with that whole great metaphor, by the way, of of um, when you butcher an animal, right? And like, sure, there's yeah. that cliche that everyone, you know, says that the secret ingredient in cooking is love. And you know, I almost feel like the way you're expressing it, it it, it makes me realize a little bit that. There is love that goes into preparing that that produce, that vegetable from the farmers, and Absolutely. when you when you just take like one little piece of it and just discard the rest of it, it's almost like you're not honoring no. kind of I don't want to say sacrifice, but you're not like honoring the love and the work and the care that no. went into bringing this to your table. If that makes sense?
1: No, it 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 totally does. It's uh, it's really it's you know it's like uh, it's like a climb against against these these beautiful things that, you know, people, again, they've dedicated their life to, you you know, something like, something like a potato. There's an incredible variety of so many potatoes and people are continuing to try to, you know, crossbreed and create new things. And, you know, they, some of them are sweet. Some of them are super starchy. You know, some of them can be used for some potatoes are good for potato chips. Other ones are good for you know thickening the sauce. Other, you know, there's certain potatoes that you'd use in in making like like a pom puree. You know, like you wouldn't use these little super sweet potatoes because they're not starchy enough. You know, it's not gonna it's not gonna really like make the mashed potatoes that you had growing up at the Thanksgiving table. You know, that's that that's something that when you're cooking, you know, to to really grasp what loving the ingredients really means is like when you're eating something and it reminds you of your childhood and, you know, it can be, again, as simple as, as a mashed potato. You know, I, I, I use the word palm puree because I'm, I'm used to say, saying these things, you know, it's, it's just French, it's just French for mashed potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> there, There's just more butter. That's, you know, that that's what French food is. But you know, when you're eating something as simple as that, and you know, you use, Herbs that are growing you know rosemary thyme you know there's again varieties of thyme out there varieties of rosemary and, and oregano and you know things of that nature when you're using these things I and mean, still it reminds you of sitting at the Thanksgiving table you know you're with your family, such a loving environment, and when you can kind of eat something and like go back to that feeling and that that association with food, you know and you can do it through things that are in season that, you know, that, that's really the goal that I strive to, to get to every day. And every time that I'm creating a menu, I mean, when I was doing the, you know, the non-contact delivery and doing private chefing for families, you know, I would uh, definitely try to instill in the people I'm cooking for the, the importance and the, the, the beauty, really, in using, you know, not, not not manipulating as much as I want to these vegetables, and, you know, like putting them in a dish and keeping some of them raw, like even raw squash. You know, if you marinate it and you dress it, you know, slice it really thin in a mandolin, like it can be something that's very different and unique and delicious. And, you know, I, I try to really put into dishes like different varieties of that, you know, of one vegetable. I'm sure that, that you've seen on menus that I've created, like I like to just keep a dish sounding very simple. You know, like for example, I had this duck dish last week. It was duck, squash varieties and grapes, you know, there was, and, and, and also mustard greens, but it was, you know, I don't, I would rather not really tell the story until you taste the dish yourself, hmm. like allow it to kind of portray what it is, but, you know, give me the freedom to really like the night before or the day before when i'm creating the dish just give me an open-ending you know like a story that i can just create you know with really no guidance and just just do what i want with 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 that vegetable you know so well
0: that sounds yeah. like to me more like um like very like artistic you know like like you're in the moment right like you have sure, this yeah. ingredient sure. you know this material yeah. for lack of a better word
1: no no we're sculpting
0: sure. it into with what your training and experience and your palette will tell yeah. you is the best uh you know product so to speak
1: i mean that is you know you can like compare cooking to to painting or making music i mean i don't want to sound i don't want to sound pretentious here you know like pompous arrogant chef asshole but you know that, <laughs> no, no, that that's really not... <laughs> you know but that that really you know I was when I was young I was I was painting a lot you know I was uh-huh. trying to make music and doing and cooking has kind of been been like an outlet for me in well
0: that's interesting
1: in just doing anything you want and like yeah. you played you played something it looks like shit you played it again you don't like it you know, it, it's, you can, you can just create, yeah, it's like really just, really just the canvas and, you know, you try you like put your own style into it and nobody's going to plate your dish the way that you plate it. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's like, an, you know, it's again, like an everyday struggle. You, know, you, you put a dish on the menu, whatever, you're passionate about it, you've spent weeks on it. You know, all you think about for that period is how to make it better, how to simplify it, how to plate it the right way. And then, you know, somebody else plates it and you know that's why even writing recipes and giving away what what you do is it's it it, it's it's great like you should and you're not giving away anything because nobody is gonna make that sauce the way that you did nobody's gonna you know they they can do it correctly they can follow all the steps you know they've been trained in technique but again it's there's there's no way really even for me, like when I made something, I'll never do it the same way again huh. because, right, because like right now, you know, maybe maybe I bought, for example, like a grape that the, the season is unfortunately over. I really, I really love grapes. But, you know, one, you know, something I bought a month ago, it's not going to taste the same. It, it will, you know, you need to add maybe sugar to it. Unfortunately, but, you know, it needs to replicate the same flavor that you achieved when, again, like on that duck dish, I, I had charred them and then marinated them in in this duck shoe that, you know, took three days to make. But if it doesn't achieve the same taste that you originally were, were, were looking for, you know, you need to constantly manipulate it, you know, change it, try to get to that same place. Well, yeah, yeah. You
0: know. I, I never thought about it this way before our conversation, but it, it seems to me in a lot of things that human beings do, whether it's art, music, cooking. And there was an example where, um, when I was in training in Aikido, one of the instructors was saying like each movement, it's almost, it's like a different letter or word and the techniques together create the sentences or paragraphs. Yeah, it's kind of like sure. the same thing. There's this beautiful kind of flow that comes about when you kind of are, I don't want to sound too woo woo, but like you're in union with, with, with what's in front of you and, and what's happening. Yeah. It creates something much more beautiful than just a formula or a
1: recipe. For sure, for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I also, you know, I kind of like have this, this scene that I create when I cook. You know, it, I prefer to, I guess, when I'm cooking for, for the dinners that I do, I prefer to do it alone You know, I kind of have this like creative, creative time where, you know, I need to cook late at night. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to listen to music. You know, I need to have like this kind of perfect, everything needs to be, everything needs to kind of fall in place, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it's not really, it's not something that, that I can do all the time. You know, it, it, it needs to really, it needs to really be, you know, the way that, the way that I feel the most comfortable and, you know, when I'm, when I'm able to be the most creative and most efficient, you know, like I need to have everything in front of me and kind of just let the, the vegetables and proteins kind of like tell me what to do. So yeah. And, you know, just, just to gauge how art is, art is certainly involved in the process. So, I mean, at least for me, you know, there's everybody that does something kind of does it in their own way, but I definitely, it's a great outlet for creativity and, you know, being able to kind of have your own your own voice and just doing it, you know, doing it the way that you want to do it.
0: So let me ask you something um, a little bit practical, a little bit specific. So, you know, sure. obviously you're a chef, I'm not, right? You know, your cooking is what you do as part of your profession. So there's a certain amount of time and energy that, you know, you, you apply yep. to it, just like how I apply time and energy to my work. What can people at home in the audience who, you know, most of them are not going to be chefs, um, what can they do to take advantage of this great seasonality, either by becoming more aware of it or doing simple things to start implementing it into their meals? What are some practical things that uh, just a regular kind of person who cooks for their household do?
1: I mean, I I would say like, just like anything else, you need to do research, you need, you know, if you're passionate about something, I I personally constantly am reading cookbooks that are, you know, from chefs that I, that I revere. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's great to constantly learn and, you know, pick brains of, of people. And I mean, it can start there or just go to the market, see what appeals to you, you know, get something, maybe you wouldn't, you wouldn't cook normally. And I mean, go, go, go online and type it in. Like, what can I do with radicchio? What can I do with squash? Like, and it's probably not going to work the first time. Probably not going to work the second time. Might not turn out the way you want it to, but continue to, to test things. So you have, you have to fail, right? In, in every, in every aspect, of like when you're, when you're learning to play basketball, you're, you're terrible at it. at first. And the more you do it, right? Like the more you do it. You learn how to shoot, you learn how to dribble. And, you know, cooking is the same thing. Like you learn how to blanch vegetables the right way. And you learn how to really achieve like the most flavor and, and, you know, the, 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 the best, uh, I guess, texture for lack of a better word of a certain vegetable, you know, like when I initially learned how to blanch things, like the water needs to be a certain level of salty. And, you know, when you're putting it into an ice bath, Again, you're seasoning it, and then, you know, you take it out of the water immediately once it's cold to keep the integrity of that vegetable and try to not really manipulate it as much as maybe you maybe sorry about that, but maybe as much as you kind of want, or as much as you're like, your brain is you know you're like you're you're kind of scared, you're kind of nervous, never done it before, but. You know, look it up, watch videos. There's just an infinite amount of material out there right now. You know, it's it's a great time to cook because you can go on your laptop and just type in like how to do this, how to do that, and just do it. Like don't don't be afraid. You're gonna mess up a lot. You're gonna not do very well for a long time. And then you know, once you understand something, you'll be able to implement it and just kind of have again, just unlimited amount of of options of how to cook one thing, and just just figure it out. There's no other way to. It's no other way to get good at something, right? There's, there's no other way to be able to be proud of what you're doing than technique first, and then everything comes after that. But once you you know get it down, learn how to make something, then you can make it your own.
0: Well, you know, what I think is great about this is, you know, we've all heard a million times, you know, you got to fail, blah, blah, blah. It's almost come become cliche. Um, I love how you are a professional chef and you're still saying, like, even you with all your training, when you're starting something yeah. new, it's difficult. You're going to fail. You're going to oh, mess man. up. You have to oh, iterate. Man.
1: I have for sure messed up so many more times than I've succeeded. You know, it's <laughs> like... <laughs> I was, you know, for a couple of years, I, I would proudly say I was the worst cook in the kitchen. I was, wow. yeah, I mean, I worked hard, but I didn't work, you know, I didn't work smart. I didn't know the right way to, to do certain things. I moved a lot more than I should have. You know, the more that I cooked, kind of the more that I slowed down and was mm-hmm. able to make efficient movements. And I was able to achieve way more productivity out of my day. And yeah, like it just, it takes so much time and it's, it's kind of difficult for me, you know, when I cook for people, kind of how to like explain how to do something because there's just steps. There's, you know, you're like doing things gradually and like achieving flavor and continuing to, you know, for example, braising meat. Like you can braise short ribs, but there's what, like 10 steps that you're, you know, you're like keeping it, you're like tempering it, right? So making sure that it's not too cold and, you're drying it out so you can achieve the right uh, Maillard reaction, like getting it as crispy as possible to retain the flavor of the short rib and not, not like boil it and just ruin this extra. You know, you need to whatever you're gonna put in there, right? Like you're gonna cook cook the short rib in in some oil and get it really, really crispy and like develop fond on the bottom of the pot and then deglaze the fond. I mean, I'm, I'm probably saying things that may not make sense to a lot of people, but you know, deglazing the bottom of the of the pot with with vegetables, and then like allowing them to cook slowly, and achieving sweetness out of onions, carrots, celery, you know, whatever you're using, and then if you're using spices, like you you allow them to bloom slowly in oil that's not too hot, and then you know you're putting bay leaves and like ripping them so that the essential oils release, and you know you're adding a wine that you would drink, you know, why are you cooking with wine? You're not drinking, right? So, you know, you put a beautiful red wine and like allow it to reduce to get the the alcohol taste out of it. You know, you're like getting acidity and depth of flavor. And then, you know, you, you add the short ribs and you allow it to come up to boil slowly. And then, I mean, personally I cook short ribs probably for like 12 or 16 hours, but you know, submerged in a stock that, I mean, what if you didn't make it, whatever. But the stock t- t- takes a day or two to to make, you know, you need to simmer it slowly, you know, like, there's, you know, there's just, there's an infinite amount of things that can be done to make food special, but once you kind of understand that there are so many steps that need to be done, like, carefully, and, and, uh you know, it's, yeah, like, there's, <laughs> there's just an infinite variety of, of things that can be done with really anything, but once you understand the technique behind it, you can take it, you know, your own route. Like, you know, you can cook short ribs, for example, you know, in like the Spanish way, and use the vegetables from Spain and use the wine from Spain, you know. And then, you know, you can do it in like a Moroccan way, and and use the spices from there. And you know, they don't, they don't really have the same things that we have here, right? So whatever is growing in that country, you know, you you would use those. Those things to kind of emulate the way that it tastes there. So, you know, like going on the globally influenced. You know, I, I really, I really just don't like to use these words that sound pretentious. You know, if somebody was like, you know, I'm I'm a globally influenced chef. I'd be like, this dude is an asshole. I don't know what that means. But, <laughs> you know, we something that I'm certainly very passionate about is just testing these things from different countries and and, and yeah, like researching what they do, why they do it, you know, why, because, you know, like Italian food is so different from we'll say Greek food, but you know, it's in the same, it's in the same area. They have access to the same water source. You know, that the climate is quite similar, but you know, why is it different because things that grow in Italy don't entirely grow in Greece and vice versa. So, you know, and there's like a culture behind how they cook and there's, yeah, it's just something that is very—it's—it's—it's it's, it's very, very intriguing to me. You know, learning how you know grandmothers have been cooking, and how you know even 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 like in, in the south of of, of our wonderful country, you know, there's such a different flavor, such a different influence. You know, like they use they use things that we don't really entirely use in, in the north, and you know, like cooking. that style and you know i mean for me implementing it into a sandwich you know using using the baking techniques and the cooking techniques and you know frying chicken the way that they do it it's it's really quite quite a beautiful thing you know just trying to trying to emulate that style and you know trying to make people think when they taste something like oh i've never tasted this before this this is kind of strange but maybe it's good i mean hopefully you like it but you know, not, not everything will be good. That's,
0: so, that, um, you know, Chef Raff, uh, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, every time I talk to you, I, I learn a little bit, something uh, more about food and how to appreciate it. So, so I, I appreciate that very much.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, yeah.
0: and just one comment before, um, I close up with you, um, you know, when you said you failed so many times, right? Like yeah. part of me wanted to say like, I don't believe you because I've had your food and it's so good. But then I realize what I should be thinking is I do believe you. Your food was Absolutely. so good because you failed so many times and you learned I, from I mean, that. And that's why you're the chef you are today.
1: I, I mean, thank you. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's definitely always nice to, to hear that, <laughs> you know, all of the, all of the, you know, all of the uh, tough, you know, I mean it's nobody likes to fail. Right. But, It definitely is nice to hear, you know, all of the work paid off and, you know, all of the nights where I I literally had, I literally had nightmares about, you know, going to work because, no, I mean, really like, there's been been restaurants that I've worked at like the first month or two, like I work in the kitchen, right? And then I go home and (laughs) I can dream about, you know, I have like a nightmare about the kitchen. Oh gosh. It's a natural process, you know, it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really tough and it sucks so much until it doesn't. And then it's uh yeah, you just continue to grow and continue to work as hard as you can and learn from people. I mean, there's been a, a a number of chefs that I've picked up things from and you know how to how to do this and that, you know, their style and yeah, I mean it's 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 a learning process every day and that's that's something that is is great about cooking and I mean there's you know it, it, it definitely makes sense for 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 a bunch of fields you know people keep learning every day and yeah once you you know like the the chefs that i've learned the most from have certainly instilled in me that that notion that you're never good enough like there's always somebody that's doing something unique and doing something better and when you kind of lose grasp of you know you're like i'm great i do these things people love my food mm. like that's that means nothing there's yeah there's nothing that you'll really ever do that is as good as it can be. Like you got to do it over and over and over until you hate it. And you know, you're making the same sauce for two weeks straight and there's not much of a difference, but there's a little, you know, there's a little bit of something you did today that you didn't do yesterday. And you know, that's like the part of what I do that people really will never be exposed to. You know, it's like you come in three hours early and you're, Just testing meticulously the same thing over and over, and it's not fun. You know, it's like it's you gotta have the
0: eye. You gotta have the eye of the tiger. (laughs)
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to make it seem like you know I'm this, you know, and you know better than anybody else because I'm not. But you know, it's uh, it's it's just all about just loving what you do and consistently learning and you know getting better and learning from people and always listening to anything anyone has to say you know whether it's like i didn't like that it's not good but, but you know those things are more meaningful like people tend to lie less when they're critiquing you rather than when they're saying that something's good
0: so chef raf what are you working on and how can the audience get in touch and and learn more about you and your and your cooking
1: sure so currently i guess for the first time in six years except for covid uh I am not working for anybody. I I actually, coincidentally, quit my job last week. So I am, um, you know, I do these uh, private chef things, you know, every, every so often to to kind of stay afloat, you know, pay my rent, be able to live my life, go to restaurants and stuff. But I am uh, working, you know, like day in and day out, waking up early, uh, going to bed late to, to open, to open a sandwich shop. You know, it's been something that has has been kind of on the back burner for me since I started cooking. Like sandwiches are, sandwiches can be very special. You know, you can really tell a story with a certain, you know, type of cuisine, but it's on bread. You know, it doesn't have to be something that's like just, you know, clear cut and, you know, ham and cheese on a roll, whatever. But yeah. So something that I'm doing right now is, uh, Hopefully in the next month or two, I'm going to open a sandwich shop in, in uh, lower Manhattan. And I guess in the current climate, it's going to be more or less takeout and a delivery until we're able to, you know, create a brand and, and hopefully people can come in. You know, I will, I I would love to talk to anybody, you know, tell them about the, you know, what, what inspired me to make this thing and, you know, to keep it fresh and uh, to keep it, you know, to, to keep my, creativity flowing and, you know, to ensure that I'm really loving what I'm doing, there's going to be a constant flow of sandwiches coming on and off the menu. You know, there's going to be on a weekly basis, you know, at least one sandwich will change and, you know, there's going to be a vegan item for people that, you know, can't eat meat or, you know, have allergies or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I will, uh, keep you posted for sure on the progress, but yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of on the ground level here. You know, I have, a uh, I have a partner that's doing all of the all of the marketing and branding and whatnot nice. and you know i'm i'm just strictly focusing on research and development right now you know making my own mustard making sauerkraut making kimchi you know all of these kimchi you know, I can go on and on. kimchi man all right <laughs> sure yeah yeah i mean if you uh kimchi's great so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know you mm-hmm. got to fig- figure out different ways to make it cool you know i'm i'm uh uh coincidentally i made this uh I made this like applicant sheet yesterday, so oh nice. So we'll open it. Up. So we'll open it up in two months, and we'll see what happens.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So is there um a website or an email or something if people want to get in touch, learn more?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we have uh chef com. That's that. That's kind of the place for for the private chef side of things. And if you'd like to send us an email, uh reservations at gmail.com. And then uh, we also have chef dash katorski on 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 the uh social media platform so you know if you'd like to check out the food or reach out to us in any way you know feel you know it would be great to you know even if you have a question you know, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like a private chef thing you know that's not that's not the most important thing you know if you'd like to learn about something or ask about something or you know you see a dish you're like oh cool like how'd you make that puree How did you how did you cook that duck or, you know, how did you, yeah. I mean, there's whatever, you know, anybody reach out at any time. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions or comments or so. And then also I'm trying to start, I guess, kind of making some videos that will, uh, you know, that will appeal to people, you know, probably make some sandwiches. Just make a Great quick idea. video. And, yeah. So yeah, we're doing, we're doing quite, quite a bit of things over here. You know, we are, we are staying busy. So,
0: Great. Yeah. Well, Chef Raf, I am so happy to have gotten to know you and to continue uh, yeah. to be able to have these conversations. And I can't wait to see what happens next.
1: Yeah, thank, thank you. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a pleasure talking to you as well, Joe.
0: Hi, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. I have an exciting update to share. My third book, Unlock Your Connection, Feel Like Family is available on amazon.com using universal principles we explore how to unlock more professional success by learning how to connect to anyone anytime anywhere together with unlock your charisma and unlock your executive presence these three books form the first segment of my unlock your leadership series to learn more go to www. Dot dot com. For questions or to inquire about personal or team coaching, email me at joe at connectioncounselor.com. Thank you so much for listening to the big line. We hope it has an amazing impact on your life. I only have one favor to ask. If you enjoy the show, Please tell the one person you know who needs to hear about it and share the link. That's it. Together, we can vanquish these illusions that are holding us back.